We're going to speak today on fashioned for identity. Because like I've said, you've heard me say it before, you'll hear me say it a million other times. If you don't know who you are, and if you don't know who God is in you, everything you do will be like a major frustration of life. You'll do, you'll do great things, and it'll always come back to you. You're never content, you're never satisfied, you're never fulfilled, because you don't know who you are. You can, listen, you can, as a son, you can sit in your daddy's lap, you know, and have your bike. I ran over my son's bike this week because, because he parked it, he, he, he parked it behind my car, and I couldn't see it. And so as I'm pulling out, I, I'm, I'm feeling this thing, and I'm like, what is this? And I go back, and I get out of the car, and I see my son's bike that he rides five times a day that he loves was destroyed. The wheel, you know, was destroyed. But um, anyway, I don't know why I said that, but, but he, I was, I was going to say this. Yeah, he can know his bike has been destroyed, even though I destroyed it. It's not really my fault. You know, don't put your bike behind the car where I can't see it. But anyway, I'm not blaming him. It's just, it happened. You know, and we can have all kinds of things going on in our lives externally, on the surface. We can have all these things happening. But we can know, as a son or a daughter, I'm safe in daddy's arms. And, I can't, and, I, and my identity is not in the things that happen to me on the, you know, that external things. My identity is fashioned by the heart of God. He says who I am. And so today I want to talk for a few minutes about fashioned for identity. Fashioned, right? To give a particular shape or form to in a warlike manner. I love David. David writes in the Psalms, he says, my hands were made for war. Now, you can understand that when, when David's talking, what that means. But for us, I think what that means is our hands. I mean, come on, the praying hands emoji. You know what's funny is that, um, who's the guy that runs Apple? Is it Tim Cook? I think his name. Bless him, God. He is not a Christian. He, claimed, he does not claim to be a Christian. And he says those are not praying hands. He says those are actually high fives. He said that's a high five. <laughs> I don't think so, Tim. Timmy boy, the praying hands, right? My hands are fashioned for war. As a guitar player, when I lead worship, I often, sometimes think about that. Man, as I'm strumming my guitar, my hands are fashioned. My hands were made for war as I'm releasing the sound of heaven through my guitar, through my instrument, through my hands. I'm releasing the warlike cry of heaven, which is not against flesh and blood. Come on. And it's not a battle that we have lost or war that we have lost. It is a battle that we fight from victory. And so, listen. Um, when he says uh, the definition of to, to take form and shape in a warlike manner, that's what I think of. Everywhere we go, though, it's all about our identity. I mean, like, like I said, I got the passport this year. We took our pictures. All our kids got the passport. We were planning on going to the Philippines on a mission trip this summer. We'd actually be gearing up to leave in a few weeks. But then, of course, COVID happened, and uh, the Lord knew. I mean, even from the beginning, we were going to do the trip with, with Zach and Rochelle, and it was like, man, we were starting, and I, Travis, right? And we were starting to feel, even before COVID, we were like, we're starting to feel like this might not happen for some reason. I just spent 1200 bucks on passports. This better happen. 
But it didn't happen. God knew. God knew. And so I still have the passports. And I guess I should just drive to Mexico or something just to say I, you know, I used them for something. One day I'm going to go overseas and it's going to be real fun. But, you know, it's very important. The passport is like even greater than a driver's license. You know, the passport is like, it's literally your identity. So um, you better, like your picture better match. In fact, I asked the lady who was, I feel like I'm just, I need to sit down here this morning. Just relax. It's getting me all crazy. Oh, just going to have a little talk here. Um, I was like, lady, uh, this passport's good for 10 years. I'm like, I'm not going to look the same in 10 years, I don't think. Um, and I'm like, I had kind of had the half beard going, you know, and she's like, oh, don't worry about it. You know, it's people, people change, people get fat, people get skinny. I mean, it's just like, oh, okay, cool. And so um, anyway, it's very important to have your, um, it's very important to have your passport if you want to go out of the country, but it's very important to have your identity um, in your possession, not stolen, you know, your credit card or anything like that. Uh, also, a little tip, if you lose your uh, passport or if you lose your driver's license and you need to fly, which I did a few years ago, I lost my driver's license right before we were supposed to get on a plane, and I was freaking out. How am I supposed to get on this airplane? Um, but I read that, no joke, TSA will accept a Costco card as identification. My Costco card, though, was in my wallet that, got, that, that I'd lost, so... I had to run to Costco, and how, how am I going to, I'm like, how am I going to get a Costco card if they don't even know who I am? Luckily, I had a, a guy that was going to our church, worked at Costco, happened to be there that day, and he's like, oh, yeah, I know him, and so I got my Costco card. So I literally got an airplane with a Costco card. Those pictures, those little black and white pictures looked like they were taken uh, in the cave of, of, of Af Afghanistan in 1980. I don't know how they use that as identification, but they do. I digress. Um, so, so this morning we want to talk about your identity. I'm going to stand up again. I was, I have my notes here. Some of us are weird and quirky and I'm realizing that's me. Um, that's weird and quirky. And so I have four kids, four amazing children. They range from 14 to, um, five or I'm sorry, four. And, um, they're all, all different personalities. They have their own, they have their own identity. They're, in fact, they're forming their identity. And um, I mean, my four-year-old, Savannah, and also we call her Savvy. There's something in a name, Savvy. So for years, I've been calling her the Savage. And uh, she's a little savage. So this girl, she's actually savage-like because she loves to be just in her underwear. As soon as we get home from somewhere, I mean, it can be 30 seconds. We turn around, and she is, all her clothes are off, and she's in her underwear sitting on a couch eating a, a thing of Cheetos. And um, she's, like, kind of savage-like, right, running around the house in her underwear. And she'll go through, and, but then, but, but 10 minutes later, she's got a whole outfit. Oh, look, Daddy, pretty. And she's got a dress on. That looks good. So me and my wife will say, you need to keep this on. You got to keep this on for the rest of the day because we're not going to go through this thing. Okay, that's fine. Five minutes later, she's back on the couch, just in her underwear. But that's who she is, right? And hopefully she won't be like that as an adult. But right now, that's 
That's her identity. That's who she is. And she's learning about herself. And guess what? We're helping form that. So God helps form us, like we talked about, fashion us. We're helping fashion her into who she is by listening to the voice of heaven, not trying to control and manipulate. And so um, I love what Jeremiah 1, 5 says. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. This is what God says. Before I formed you, before I fashioned you, before I made you, before, you, before I was molding you into who you were going to be, before that time, I knew you. This is what God said. And, and even before that, I knew you and I set you apart. You know, before, when I first got married, before we were even pregnant, I was in prayer one morning and the Lord gave me a picture. I was praying for our children, our future children. And I'm like, oh, God bless our children and as they come and, uh, you know, help me be a good father and all this stuff. And then God, Holy Spirit gave me this picture of, of this little dark boy with curly black hair. And um, he said, this is your son, and you're going to name him Joshua. And I said, really? He goes, yes. And I went and I told my wife, I said, I just got a vision. I got a, like a prophetic picture of our son. You're not even pregnant, but we're going to have a son. He's going to have dark skin like me. He's going to be more white complexion, and he's going to have, he's going to have curly black hair, and we're going to call him Joshua. God said to call him Joshua. She goes, Joshua? Oh, really? Like she had her own, you know, her own Ferdinand or something was her, her name. I don't know what she, what, but it wasn't Joshua. But I said, I said, listen, I'm telling you, this is a directive from heaven. He's to be called Joshua. And you know, it's funny, as you look at our son now, he has straight hair. But as a kid, you go look at pictures as a one and two-year-old, he had curly hair, curly black hair. He looked exactly like the vision God gave me. So even before he was formed in Carly's womb, God gave me a picture of what he would look like and that he would be called Joshua. What do you think of when you think of Joshua? Come on, fear not. I've given you the land. This is what I think about. And so God knew. He knows who we were who, what we're going to be before we're even formed. He says, I knew you and I set you apart. Um. Your identity, like I said, and your DNA was already being fashioned before you were in the womb. Isaiah 43, 1 says, But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you, O Israel, the one who formed you, right? The one who fashioned you says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. Listen. Everybody is calling us. They are, they are labeling us. They're calling us different names. They're saying, you should do this. You, should, you, look, you feel like that, then that's what you should do. You want to do this, and it's, and, and it's, and it's harmful. It's, listen, as long as you're not harming anybody else, that's who you are, then that's who you should be, right? Be you, and I'll be me, right? Do you, and I'll do me. One of the dumbest lines in the history of the world. Because here's the deal. You can't do you if you don't know who you is. You cannot be you if you is contrary to what God says about you. 
I'll just do me, you do you. No, because when you do you, the thing that you're doing is contrary to the will of God for your life. It's not the identity of who you are. I woke up this morning, I felt like a woman. So guess what? I'm now a woman. I woke up this morning. Or over the years, I felt like I was... I mean, there are people that are even... They're, they're, they're even finding their identity as an animal. I feel like an animal now. I'm, an, I'm actually, I, I, I saw a story of a guy that thought he was a wolf. No joke. And he gave his job up, everything up, his family and his job. And he went and he, and he lived in the, like the wilderness as a wolf. I mean, really? What kind of sozo does that guy need? My goodness. Listen. You can't go by your feelings, especially if your feelings are being led by the enemy. I say to this, if you're a son or a daughter and you know who you are and you know your identity in Christ, then I say follow your heart because your heart has been transformed. The Bible says, I turned the heart of flesh into, a, I turned the heart of stone into a heart of flesh, Right? So I would, say to, I would say to a believer, man, yeah, if that's what your heart says, guess what? The Holy Spirit's probably in that. Because you, why? Because I know that you know who you are because I've seen your life. I've seen your character. I've seen how you respond. I've seen how you act. I know your identity is strong. Maybe, yeah, sure, we all have struggles here and there and we, we question, but you, you know who you are. But to the person who doesn't know who you are, I would say, run far from the feelings of your heart. <laughs> because though you can't trust those, because they're, they're telling you lies. I mean, here's the deal. Even Jesus had the test of his identity. Remember this. He went to the wilderness, right? And it says, um, let, me, let, me, let me make sure I, I want to get this right. So it says that Jesus, it says after that, or after that thing, Jesus was led into, it says actually he was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit. And so, what after what? That's how, that's how, the, that's how it starts in, in uh, chapter 4. After, after that, Jesus was led into the wilderness. Well, go back. What's verse 3 say? The verse right before Jesus was led into the wilderness. Do you know what it is? He was baptized by John. And the very first, the very, the very verse before that he went into the wilderness, God says, this is my son with whom I love and am well pleased. I like how the passion says it. This is the son I love and my greatest delight is in him. God the father spoke over the identity of his son. And he says, you are my son. That's who you are. You know it, but I'm letting everybody else know. You're my son, and I'm well pleased in you. And afterward, the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the lonely wilderness, is what the Bible says. And after fasting for 40 days, Jesus was extremely weak and famished. Yeah, no kidding. I think I would be extremely weak after four hours not eating. 
And it says he was weak and famished. Listen, you have to get a grasp of this. The humanity that was Jesus. It's this thing we don't understand. He was fully God and fully man. So these things he experienced, he was hungry. He was famished. He felt sorrow. He had to use the bathroom. He farted. Can I? Did you say Jesus never farted? He had to. He's... He was here as a human. Travis. Oh, I know Travis farts. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm getting off. Everybody settle down. Hold on a second. I need something to drink. <coughs> I went down the wrong tube. <coughs> Excuse me. Oh, hold on, online church. Oh, no. <coughs> okay. Yeah, let's go. I don't need that anymore. <coughs> All right. Get a hold of yourself, Chris. Get a hold of yourself. Come on, you're a son. Let's go. Our identity. <clears throat> so, <laughs> Jesus, this is like, it's prophetic. It's because I'm crying. The power of God. So listen. <clears throat> the enemy, the accuser of the brethren. This is his, this is his label, and it's true. <laughs> That's his identity. You ever thought about that? When you're listening to lies, you're listening to somebody who heaven has labeled the accuser of the brethren. Why would you pay any attention to what he says? You're listening to someone <clears throat> that the Bible says sole purpose is to destroy you. And so what do you think when, when he tries to influence your identity? Hey, you feel like something and it's contrary to who you are? Just go for it. Do it. You feel like, <clears throat> go for it. What, you think that's a good thing. He, he's literally trying to kill you. And this is what he did to Jesus. He says, and I love this, verse 3. The tempter came to entice Jesus and to, pro to provide food by doing a miracle. So he, so he says to Jesus, this is Satan, this is the enemy. He says to Jesus, I want you to hear this. He immediately goes to his identity. He immediately challenges his identity. How can you possibly be the son of God? The last thing we read that God spoke to him, right? You are my son. So what does the enemy do? He comes right at that word of God. How many times have you gotten a word of God, a prophetic word, a vision, where God says, bam, this is it, and there's this move of God in your life, and the very next thing that seems like that happens is all hell breaks loose. Why? Because the enemy is coming against your identity. He's coming against the words of God that are spoken of your life. And this is what he did with Jesus. How can you be the son of God and go hungry? Just order these stones to be turned into loaves of bread, and they will. How can he be a son? So Jesus answered, <clears throat> the scripture says, 
Bread alone will not satisfy, but true life is found in every word. Look at this. Look at this. I got to get this. Every word which constantly goes forth from God's mouth. What he's saying is, my daddy spoke that I was his son. Every word that goes from God's mouth, God, Jesus said, is true. This is where we find our identity. Listen, if you're struggling with your identity, I want you to know everything that God says about you is truth. He's truth. Jesus coming into agreement with God. Verse 5, then the accuser transported Jesus to the holy city of Jerusalem and perched him on the highest point of the temple and said to him, if you're really God's son, <clears throat> now look what he did here. He went a little deeper. Okay, you say you're God's son. Okay, but if you're really God's son, this is what he did with Adam. This is what he did with Adam and Eve, right? This is what Adam did God really say not to eat that of that tree? Mess with his identity. Did he? Does, I mean, does it really matter? Does it really matter if you want to? I'll say it again. If you're a boy and you want to say you're a girl, does it really matter? Even though God said and created you and formed you to be this certain person, does it really matter if you want to? I mean, what's the big deal? So he says, if you're really God's son, jump and the angels will catch you. For it is written in the scriptures, he will command his angels to protect you and they will lift him up. They will lift you up so that you won't even bruise your foot on a rock. This is what the enemy does. <clears throat> He's actually using scripture to convince Jesus, right, to do this thing. Because what he's saying is, this is, this is, this is how cunning he is. He's twisting the truth. This is what he likes to do with our identity. He likes to twist the truth. Give us a little bit of truth and a lot of lies, but just, just, just enough to kind of keep you, just kind of have to keep you eating that, that thing that he's feeding. And then Jesus says, the scriptures say, again, the scriptures say, the scriptures say, God says. What does God say about you? Come on, he says, you're a son. He says, you're a daughter. That's what God says about you. He says, you're my son. He says, you're my daughter. The scripture says, don't tempt the Lord your God. A third time, it says, the accuser lifted Jesus up into a very high mountain range and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all the splendor that goes with it. And he says, all these kingdoms I will give you, the accuser says, if only you will kneel down before me and worship me. See, this is the key. We've got to it. We figured it out. The lie has been revealed. What he wanted from Jesus the whole time was for Jesus to bow and worship him. That's what he wanted. We find out right here. This is what we see and hear constantly. You can have everything you want if you just give in to the feelings, give in to things that are contrary to God. 
If you believe what the world is speaking over you, labeling you, it doesn't matter what God says about you, over you, and to you. You do you. Jesus says in verse 10, you got to get this too. When your identity is in question and you're starting to wonder, you got to do what Jesus did. He says, go away, enemy. Go away. I'm here to tell you. I'm here to tell you that God has fashioned you for greatness. He has fashioned you to do something great for the kingdom, something great for the world. And, but here's the thing. You have to know who you are, and you have to know who he is in you. You are his. Come on. You're a son. You're a daughter. I love the story of the prodigal, right? The prodigal said, basically, it's the prodigal, uh, prodigal son basically says, hey, I know that I, I, sh- I have your name, you know, your last name, and I know that I'm your son, but guess what? I want all of my inheritance right now. I want it all right now. And so the father, of course, says, okay. So the son takes it, and he runs, and you read the story. The Bible says he, he spends it all. And he ends up what? He ends up eating and sleeping with the pigs. He had lost himself because he had tried to um, advance his own agenda. He had tried to do things to grab the identity as it was still being fashioned, to grab the things that were already rightfully his in due time. It was part of his inheritance. It was part of his identity. But he says, I want it now. I don't want to do what I want to do. I want to do me. And so he did. And then the Bible says that he came, basically he comes back with his head down. He says, well, at least. So here's the thing. He, he, he knew, at least he knew he was a son. And it says, I can go back and I can, I can at least live with the servants. But I know I can get there because he still is my father. And it says his father was watching and looking out for his son. And as he saw him in the distance, the Bible says the dad ran to, to meet him. This is huge because in that culture, uh, men wouldn't do that. Old men would not do that. Fathers would not do that. It would be a sign of disrespect for a son or a person to, to, to expect that to happen. So he comes in, and the significance to that is the father humbled himself and said, I, I, you're still my son. And he grabbed him and he held him. And you know, the thing about this story that we also read is that the eldest son, right, got all ticked off. Why did the oldest son get ticked off? Because the oldest son, the oldest son didn't realize that, that everything that was already there, the father said, you, you, you could already had this. You, the, son's like, the oldest son's like, I've been with you the whole time, and what, what do I get? And the dad says, you've had access to it. The oldest son didn't know his identity either. If you could see yourself as God sees you, you would never question who you are. You'd never pick up this thing. I got got this. I'm going to move down here, guys, real quick. Camera guys. It's like this. Here's this backpack. 
This is actually my backpack. Very cool backpack. Look at that. I get a lot of compliments on it. I don't have a ratty backpack, so I couldn't bring one. But here's the thing. I see this, I see this nice backpack, and I go, man, this looks great. But it's not my backpack. It's somebody else's backpack. But man, it looks really cool. And because I don't have a backpack or because I don't like my backpack, I want to pick that thing up. It's like when, it's like when David wanted to kill Goliath. And Saul, the king Saul says, hey, hey, hey. No, 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 you need to wear my armor. And David's like, okay, I'll try it on, but I'm pretty secure in who I am. I know who I am. I know my identity. I don't need your stuff, but out of, okay, I'll try it on. King Saul, no, please try it on. So he puts on this thing. And David goes, I can't wear this because this is not who I am. This doesn't define me. This defines you. I, I don't need this. So I, I see this backpack. This is how it is right now. Right? Instagram, Facebook, we see, I don't know who I am. So I see somebody else. I'm like, I want to be that. I want to, not, not, I want to be like that guy. I want to be that guy. So I get this backpack and I pick it up and I put it on. And I start walking around with this thing, but it's heavy. And people that know me, they go, where'd you get that backpack? Oh, that's my backpack now. You didn't have that. You didn't have that before. That's not who you are. You were never meant to carry that. That's not your identity. Yeah, but if, it's not too bad. It's a little heavy, but it, but it looks good. It feels pretty good. And then you have people that don't know who they are. They're carrying other people's stuff. They look at you and they go, oh, that's a nice backpack. That looks really good on you. I think you need to keep that. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Feels pretty good. <laughs> I, got I got my parents and I got people at my church. They're telling me I shouldn't wear this thing. Pfft. They say that's not really who you are. They what do you think? No, I think that's great. In fact, I picked up three new backpacks this week. I'm carrying, I got, look up, oh, wow, yeah, oh, yeah. I thought you, uh, I thought you liked that other one. Yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't feel, I wasn't feeling it, so I got rid of it. I saw this guy, he had a couple backpacks, he said I could have one of his, so I put it on. You see what I'm getting at here? Don't try to wear someone else's identity. Don't try to be someone else. God created you to be uniquely you. He called you higher. He says, man, I've given you a heart of flesh. I have taken away your heart of stone. Come on, he's wooing you even into the deeper secret places. This is when your identity is fashioned and formed. When you take off someone else's label of your life and you say, I'm going to listen only to what God says about me. That's the label that I want. That's the, that's the, he's called me by name. The Bible says, before I formed you, I called you by name. This is who you are. Somebody is preaching up in here. Could it imagine if it was packed in here? Holy man. People would be just falling over the anointing, I think. No? Even the disciples who were with Jesus... For years, I'm checking my time here. Okay, 
I got to wrap it up. Even the disciples who were with Jesus for years still questioned their identity. How do we know this? Because we read in Luke chapter 9 that Jesus sent messengers ahead of him to prepare him to go through the city uh, of the Samaritans. And the city, the people in the town said, we, we're not going to let Jesus and you, we're not going to let you guys come through. Now, for somebody who doesn't know who they are and isn't strong in character and faith and, and, and is worried about, like, what people think, that would be horrible. Oh, my gosh, they don't want us in there. This is the worst thing that ever happened. Oh, my gosh. I love what Bill Johnson says. If you live by the applause of man, you will die by their criticism. If you don't know who you are in Christ, if you don't know your identity, you will die by the, by the criticism of men. So they literally turned Jesus away. Before he could go, they're like, no, you can't come. So James and John, come on, James and John, says they were outraged. Then they asked Jesus if he wanted them to command fire to come down on heaven, as uh, some translations add, as Elijah did. In other words, we think Elijah would do this, so we want to do it as well, because we don't really know who we are. In fact, we, right now at this moment, we trust Elijah more than we trust you, because we don't really know who we are. They're putting their identity in someone else. They're grabbing someone else's identity. And Jesus says, here is response. It says, he turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what kind of spirit you are of, for I did not come to destroy lives, but to save them. When you don't know your identity in Christ, listen, you, you, you don't know who you are, and when you're walking in someone else's identity and someone else's label over you, actually when you walk around, you're not bringing life, you're bringing destruction. The single acts that we do affect people. So when I walk out of the plan and call and creation and the, the forming that God has for my life, it actually affects everybody around me. As the same way it affects everyone positively when I'm walking in the fashion and in the provision and in the call of God in my life and I'm delivering life everywhere I go. Remember, God is most glorified in you when you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. God is most glorified in you when you are walking in true identity in Him. So I want to end with this. I went longer than I, than I wanted to. It's because I didn't even start... For, like 10 minutes into the sermon, I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Oh, Kevin's coming up. Okay. Come on up. Come on. Kevin in the house. Yeah. Everyone give it up at home. Everyone give it up for Kevin right now. Looking good, buddy. Got to get a haircut. COVID is not been good to you, buddy. You need to get that haircut. I think they're open now. No, I need to stop. No, he likes it. I just want to speak this over you. Listen, I want to give you the opportunity. If you don't know God, now is your chance to turn your heart toward him and, and know him. If you need to do that right now, please do that. It's, it's very simple. You know, Jesus never let anybody in a sinner's prayer. Never did. I'm not against sinner's prayer. Uh, the sinner's prayer or the prayer of repentance is really good. But Jesus actually never had a formula for receiving him as Lord of their life. There's never a formula. I mean, if you feel like you have to, what do you do with... And listen, I'm, and I'm not... I'm saying you, sh you could. You should. It's good. I mean, it's just... It's, it's a turning of your heart and it's like a confessing of your heart. Hey, I need you. 
I need you, God. You are Lord. Come on, you're Lord. I'm going to serve you. You have to do, like, this is, this is repentance. I'm, I'm a sinner, and I need you, and I'm turning my heart. And now I've gone from sinner to saint. But theolo- theologians, like, they can't answer, the, like, the question if they, you know, you have to say, you have to say the sinner's prayer. You have to confess. You have to. On the cross, when Jesus was, was hanging with innocent, with two criminals who sh- should have been on the cross, and he was innocent, did nothing wrong, only tried to love and help people, and he's on the cross with these criminals, and one's mocking him. If you are the son of God, if you're God. Again, questioning his identity. If you are who you are, you son of God, you're the God. Why don't you just get yourself off this and get us off here too? And basically the other, the other criminal basically is like, man, leave him alone. I mean, you can read the whole story. But he never actually says, I, I now accept you as Lord and Savior. And Jesus, knowing his heart, says, today you will be with me in paradise. That's as simple as it is turning your heart to the affection and love of God and receiving him as your, as your Lord. So now, now that you've done that, now you can say, man, I'm a son of God. I've been adopted. I've signed the, like how Zach says, I've signed the paperwork. I'm ready to go. Now let him f- continue to fashion and form your identity. Only listen to the words of heaven that have been spoken over you. Do not pick up labels from other people. You're nothing. You're this, you're that. You'll never do anything or you'll do this that you're not supposed to do. You know, that's not in your character. Oh yeah, blah, blah, whatever it is. No, 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 no. Silence that. That's the words of the accuser trying to lead you down a path of death. Listen to the words of heaven spoken over you. As, as the Father God did over Jesus, he speaks over you. This is my son. This is my daughter, whom I'm well pleased. And run with that. Amen. Amen. So if you need prayer this morning, I want there's going to be a link on the um, Facebook page right here. A link to our prayer, our virtual prayer. It's like Zoom or something like that. And we're going to have that link on there. So click on that somewhere. It'll be on there a couple times. Maybe we'll highlight it or pin it or something. So if you need to do that, please do that. And um, we believe that this will be a great week for you. Come on, walk in an identity. If you want to give, encounterlv.com slash give. Amen. So God, I, I just seal this word right now in Jesus' name that you've spoken over your kids, you've spoken over your people, that their identity has, has to be, come on, rooted in, there's so much more we could do. Maybe we'll do more on this, but the rooting, being rooted in him, being rooted deeply in him will secure, will secure yourself like a, like a tree that is rooted deeply in a storm, doesn't fall over easily, it's rooted So when the storm comes, that tree knows exactly who he is, exactly who it is. It's a tree. It's a strong tree. I'm not being moved by wind. I'm not being moved by politically correct winds, or I'm not being moved by uh, by labels. I'm I'm strong in who I am, and my identity is in Christ. So that's you. Come on. Be strong in him. Know who you are. Surrender your heart fully. 
and watch him continue to form, continue to mold you into his image and into his likeness.